Welcome back to another episode of the Wild Edible World Podcast. This episode, you're going to find us howling at the full moon. I'm Michael, your host. Call me the Pemmican Playa. And I am Service Berry Steve. We are back in the studio in the middle of the woods. New, new place this time, new location, and it is absolutely beautiful. Um, the reason we're howling at the moon is because this is episode Juneberry. Yeah, and if uh, nobody had ever heard that before, there's there's this kind of like uh, kind of rule of thumb that you can start harvesting Juneberries in June by the time of the first full moon. Um, it's called the Strawberry Moon, but let's not get into that. That's confusing. <laughs> it's the Juneberry Moon for us, not the Mayberry Moon, not the Julyberry Moon, but the Juneberry Moon. And I will take a short nap while Michael goes through the rest of the names for the Juneberry. Yeah, no kidding. There's a thousand. <laughs> Serviceberry, Shadberry, Sarvis, Sarvisberry, Snowy Mespolis, Shadblow, Mary, Maycherry, Shadbush, Shadblossom, Shadflower, Wild Pear, or Saskatoon. <sighs> That's a lot. It's a silly amount. Yeah. And they're all pretty silly. Yeah, they are. And um, go ahead. Before this, you actually told me... A fun fact: Where, what, in what language? <laughs> or what's the reason for all of these nicknames? Rather, I mean, it's well because it's often location based. So Saskatoon is often they call it Saskatoon, kind of in the uh, northern parts of North America. So in Canada, you'll hear it Saskatoon. Um, but in other languages, honestly, uh, everybody else just calls it the Juneberry in their uh, regular in, in their respective language. It's uh, only English speakers that really overcomplicate these things. But this plant does grow in a variety of areas all across the world. Um, just different places have different names for them, so try and look it up. Uh, the scientific name is going to be Amelanchier. A-M-E-L-A-N-C-H-I-E-R. Um, we're just going to leave it at the species right now because... Or, I'm sorry, the genus, because there's actually a lot of different species of service berry, um, and they just have slight variance in uh, flavor and rootstock, so... Um, we're just going to leave it at Amelanchier, and those are the ones you like. I like it. So we're going to start, like we always do, with the most recognizable feature of the serviceberry, Saskatoon, Juneberry, <laughs> Shadberry, <laughs> um, which is, I think we could all agree, the berries. Yeah. Um, so these are really, really cool, and they change. They have this like just giant change in color throughout their life cycle. So they start out these like little green fruits, mm -hmm. and then as they expand and get older, they turn bright pink and then they're deep red and then they kind of transform into they slide into this uh purple color which uh has a bloom on it so it's almost like a a frosty purple berry at the end um yeah. and they, they look remarkably like blueberries i was just gonna say yeah they they it's it's insane how how closely they resemble blueberries uh and you have you have some here in front of us here yep and uh i think they're they're lovely uh, yeah in in each different shade mm -hmm. so the pink are a little bit more tart. Mm -hmm. uh, the the dark, uh, you know, like maroon or uh, burgundy are, you know, delicious and a little bit sweeter. Mm -hmm. And then the, you know, it's just it's crazy. They're they're just delicious. And one tasting note for these, as as we're gobbling them up, here, mm -hmm. is uh, like the fruit resembles a little bit of a cherry. Mm -hmm. we, 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 you mentioned that earlier. And then um, the seeds are remarkable. If you crunch into them, it's like uh, almond it's yeah. like uh what is it amaretto yeah amaretto exactly uh, that exactly that so that be, that comes from uh it, it's in the rose family so 
Um, it's technically not classified as a berry. Um, it's much more similar to, I, I would compare it to an apple because it's got this, it's this fleshy fruit covering uh, and about, uh, I think it's somewhere between three to six seeds in the center of these fruits, depending on how big they are. And it does kind of vary, but they're these uh, teardropped thin little seeds um, and they are incredibly palatable. You know, they're not, they're not tough. They're not even like crunchy, like raspberry um, seeds can be. They just, they, they chew very nicely. They add a really nice texture. And with that, you get this like really awesome, like almond flavor. And it's almost like that, that texture, the, the skin that's on the outside of the seed is almost like an almond. So it's like a softer almond, mm -hmm. almost yeah. like an almond sunflower seed. Fruity texture. almond, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's wonderful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I really like them. They're, uh, they're nice and... Uh, fruity. I, the color, as far as color is concerned, I prefer them when they just have a little bit of red on them. Still, I don't. I don't particularly prefer the uh, the fully ripe um, berries. Yeah. I like them with just a little bit of tartness and a little bit of sweetness, um, yeah, and that, that that just brings the whole the whole piece together. Yeah. Oh, man, these are great. Mm -hmm. And you actually put out a great uh, little clip on Instagram the other day about just how like plentiful these are. Like you can find them almost anywhere. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, you can find them anywhere, and the cool thing about them is even if you have one tree, it's going to have, like, every little uh, branch has probably six or seven berries on it, so they just grow really, really prolifically. You can get a lot of fruit from one tree. I like finding places that have more than one tree because the berries time tend to ripen um, variably. So you'll have a group of five or six berries, and only two of them are going to be ripe enough to eat at the time. So um, a good idea is to collect them and put them in the freezer. If you only have one tree to source from, you just uh, put them in a bag in a freezer, and then as they continue to ripen, you just keep adding to that bag until it's uh, done, and then or the bag's full or whatever, and then you can process them that way. Um, but they really do yield a lot of fruit, and it's really awesome for all sorts of stuff, but we'll talk about that later. Um, as far as the fruit is concerned, let's talk a little bit about... Uh, I don't know how, how much into the weeds we want to get on like, oh, is this a berry or is it a fruit? I mean, so, but we will say that technically this is a pom, a P-O-M-E. And so that's a fruit that's uh, similar, like I said, uh, to an apple. Um, it is berry-like, not a berry. Um, a true berry has, uh, well, I'm not going to talk about that. Um, it's consisting of a, a, a palm itself is a fruit consisting of a large receptacle with a uh, central core containing seeds. So sometimes that can, core can be tough, again, like it is an apple, or it's really soft and totally eatable like it is in June berries. And actually you can eat apple cores too. Have you ever done that? I have. I have as well. Yeah, my, I, actually one of my good friends growing up, uh, that was like his trademark. Is he was like, a <laughs> damn apple. And, Everybody knows one. Yeah, yeah, and and I, you know, I've tried it a couple times just because, you know, why not? Why, mm -hmm. not, give a, why not give it a try? So, um, as um, we'll we'll finish the description of the rest of the tree. Sure. So. It has these, uh, it's, we started with the fruit, and then as we move backwards through the plant, um, the leaves are alternate. Um, they're simple and oblong with tiny teeth uh, at the edges, and it's kind of rounded at the base and rounded at the top as well, but it comes to a point. So it's very round, toothy leaf with a tip. Um, the branches and the trunk, the, the wood itself is going to be, kind, whenever it's young, it's smooth and gray with uh, dark stripes on it. And then as it grows older, it gets these old, uh, these, these rough 
furrows and deep furrows in the trunk. Um, but I prefer the younger trees. Obviously, they're a little bit more reachable. Um, I don't see too many old trees, and that's because it actually only grows to about 50 years of age. Oh, that's interesting. It's not that old, um, ever. And it doesn't really even get that tall at its oldest. Um, it can get at the max around 30 feet. So it's not that big of a tree. Uh, that's part of what makes it a very popular ornamental or edible yard plant, is that you can um, get a ladder and harvest these for years and years and years, and they never really get that tall. So beyond its appearance, um, let's see, its rootstock, oh, oh, well, with propagation too, I want to mention one thing with the seeds, um, that these are really easy to grow, but they won't grow the same plant, the exact same service berry. So you're gonna have a little bit of variation and maybe size and flavor of the fruit as well. It won't grow, it's, it's not a perfect uh, replication of the yeah, plant. Yeah, so what they call an F1, or like the first generation mm -hmm. of, with the goal size fruit. And they, it's a, you know they're very popular in landscaping mm -hmm. uh, because they're they're beautiful. They're, I mean you talked mm -hmm. about the leaves, you talked about all that good stuff. The blossoms are just beautiful. Oh, of course, yeah. Uh, five five uh, you call them five petaled blossoms in big clusters, just like the berries grow. Big white uh, flowers, yeah. Exactly white, um, like majority of the time. Occasionally pink. Hmm. Occasionally. I imagine uh, it might vary by species. Like an off color, yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, white most of the time, and so they're, they're they're these beautiful bushes. You can imagine if you if if if, if you haven't already, Google Juneberry because it'll show you like a clump of, of berries, you know, on on a on the branch, and imagine all those as blossoms, and it's just beautiful. Uh, so really ornamental plant. That's why they're so popular in uh, you know landscaping and whatnot. And luckily for us, because. Um, yeah, they're delicious as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's my word of advice that I've been giving a lot lately is to search around, you know, places that hire these kinds of landscaping buildings. So um, you can find them around college campuses or like or uh, corporate um, corporate areas where they have like lots of business districts and stuff. I, I used to work near a place that had like a small walking trail between all these businesses behind the building, but along that trail they had they have like eight service berry trees posted there and that's you know an awesome opportunity um and you just got to go to the right places i've also heard of them in, in, in medical complexes as well so again just kind of focusing on these like really kind of modern landscaping areas and uh, you might be surprised what you find yeah absolutely last cool thing about um just the scientific information about it is that this is another member of the rose family so this is a relative of the rose you know and love um, which, as are a lot of edible fruits, this is one of the coolest fruit families on the planet, in my opinion. Very delicious family. Yeah, very, very delicious family. Apples also related to the rose family. I feel like I'm. This may as well be an apple episode. I'm talking yeah, about it I was so just much. Going to say that's what a, that's what palm is. Mm -hmm. in, uh, French. Yep, apple. exactly, exactly. Uh, and also, also, I've seen lots of recipes where they combine June berries with apple to help kind of like, I don't know if they think it's pectin or anything that the fruit needs, which it doesn't at all, yeah. but it's uh, definitely a, a nice, it's like a cousin flavor, right? Sure. I used to, I, and, and in fact, as far as the flavor profile of the berries is concerned, I kind of think at different times they, they taste like a peach apple, like it's peachy apple, um, but a lot of people say different things, so. Have you ever fruit leathered this? Just I'm going to today. There, I have a pound sitting at home. I'm gonna fruit leather it with uh, some maple syrup. Um, Michael makes 
fruit leather, and it always looks so delicious, and I've never had any. I also make some fruit leather, but I feel like, I don't know, I feel like you've almost perfected your craft. Oh, geez, you... You flatter me. I, I just try to keep it as simple as possible, really. I like to, I don't want, uh, I always use less sugar recommendations than most recipes. Uh, I just try to keep it as, as real as possible, my dog. <laughs> Absolutely. No, and you know, when I make my fruit leather, I like to do that too. Uh, one of my friends from Yellowstone, whose name is also Mike, um, brought me just a ton of honey from Yellowstone. Oh, I love and that. So I like to use that to flavor, or to just slightly sweeten uh, a fruit leather. Awesome. That sounds delicious. But before we get too distracted by all the delicious things that you can do with this uh, delicious berry, let's um, take a quick break. Um, thank you for putting up with our ads. We love you very much, and we'll be back in a few seconds. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the ads and supporting us in whatever ways you can. Uh, just a quick shout out to Brett Westcott for doing all of our music. All the tunes you hear in this show are from my buddy, and he does a really good job. So thanks. And shout out to my lovely wife for uh, you know granting me permission. <laughs> uh, she's gonna she's gonna give me crap for that now too. Uh, for no for ser- seriously for giving up part of her Saturday uh, with me. Um, I'm a lovely guy. You should spend a Saturday with me from occasion. It's, 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 it's a good time. Um, but she, for giving that up, uh, part of our weekend so that we can do this, uh, for you folks and for ourselves. Cause mm-hmm. I don't know about you, but this podcast is great for me. Yeah. Likewise. I love doing this. I love seeing you, uh, as often as we record. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, I would have to agree with that. Shout out. Shout out to both of the wonderful, beautiful women that are behind us supporting us every single day in this, in this crazy path we've taken. You the best. Yeah, y'all the best. So let's talk a little bit about the nutrition factors of yeah. Juneberry. Um, it's really healthy. So it, not only does it look like a blueberry, but it, the nutrition factors are actually, like, really comparable to blueberry. And blueberry is considered a superfruit. Mm-hmm. Um, and this... Juneberry is actually more nutritious, more densely nutritious than blueberries. So if that's a superfruit, then Juneberry is a supra fruit, you know, a whole <laughs> level above super. Let's hear those stats. So one cup of these Juneberries will yield you about 94 calories. So that's less than one calorie. Uh, well, I'd say, <laughs> I was going to say less than one calorie per fruit. So <laughs> I guess I'm just imagining that you fit 100 berries into a cup. I mean, it's probably, it's probably pretty close. Probably man. close guess. Container. Yeah. <laughs> Around one calorie per fruit. We're not going to do it by fruit. So um, in this one cup, you'll have 94 calories, about a half gram of fat, and 24 grams of carbs, as well as one gram of protein, like 1.2 grams of protein, which is pretty good. Um, mm-hmm. It also provides you, as far as your like minerals and vitamins are concerned, it gives you 23% of your recommended daily iron intake, which is two times that of blueberry, as well as uh, proteins, carbs, healthy lipids, and vitamins like C, B, A, and E, which all are the same as blueberries. Um, if not more. Like I said, the iron is two times as much. And it also has lower water content when compared to blueberries, which means it actually, by gram, has more vitamins and nutrients in it because the water content can kind of like dilute things in fruit. Mm-hmm. Um, it also has high, vo- high amounts of potassium, magnesium, and phosphorus. 
So it's just jeez, man. Yeah, it's powerhouse. What a, what, what a what a what a good guy that uh, that Juneberry. Yeah, um, Juneberry is just sitting over there, all modest, right. just flexing its huge muscles. Exactly, exactly. No, that's that, and that iron piece is huge. Yeah, because if you're if you're not uh, someone that eats meat or red meat mm-hmm, um, in mm-hmm. particular, and you want you know something to kind of make up that that other side, this is a just an absolutely delicious alternative. Absolutely. Um, and as far if if that is something you're going to take into consideration for your diet, just always make sure you take into consideration as well that large amounts of these berries can have a laxative effect, so they will make you poo. Yeah. Um, so be a little, you know, ed- err on the conservative conservative side of consumption. Um, and I say that having sat at this picnic table recording, <laughs> having stuffed several handfuls in my mouth. As well as uh, consuming a lot. Uh, this entire jar of jam. We've eaten this. All- well, I've eaten most of it. <laughs> but we, you're in this with me as well. Yeah. We ate this whole That's jar right. of jam. I, and just, just to give you a little, uh, a little perspective on, on what we're doing here. So we have a little jar of, uh, of the actual June berries just, just uh, straight up. Plain. Yeah, Picked plain. yesterday. Raw dog in the June yeah. berries. <laughs> and then we have this delicious jam that Michael made from the June berries. Uh, some wonderful rye bread that he bought, brought to accompany it. And uh, uh, yeah, how, how do we replicate this? So I like my recipes simple. I like the KISS method. Keep it simple, stupid. <laughs> um, I, so what that means basically is that if I don't have to add pectin, I won't. If I don't have to add sugar... I won't, I'll, or I'll add as little as possible. Um, and so for, for canning, uh, interestingly enough, sugar is not necessary for the preservation in canning methods. You don't need a bunch of sugar for your stuff to stay fresh. What actually happens, what actually keeps it sterilized is the water boiling process and the temperature it gets up to and then the sealing uh, factor whenever it seals the jar. So that in, that in mind, I made my uh, Juneberry jam with five cups of fruit and three cups of turbinado sugar. Yeah. So basically you put all your berries in a pan, you crush them up, so you start releasing all those juices, kind of start it on low heat, so it kind of eat, uh, coaxes those juices out. Macerates. Maceration. <laughs> and then uh, add your after about five minutes of heating it up, you add your sugar and put it on a hard boil. Jack that uh, heat up and make sure it hard boils for about 15 minutes. And what you're doing is you're actually concentrating those sugars a little bit more by boiling all that water out and some of those other liquids. And it also um, infuses a little bit of the seed flavor into the jam. And uh, that's really desirable because they're actually really tasty seeds. I don't filter the jam at all, so it's full of seeds, and they're very palatable. The jam's great. Yeah, the jam's frankly amazing. you got little seeds in the rye, little seeds in the jam. It's just a wonderful CD place to be right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's actually, I, I, I didn't over-crush the berries either so that there's still, like, some representation of the actual fruit in there. We actually have some, like, fruit skins in there. Um, I love it. So you, you, you hard-boil it on the stove for about 15 minutes, and then you transfer your jam to sterilized jars, whether, you know, however, whatever your process be for cleaning canning jars. You leave a quarter inch of headspace towards the top, and then you put it in your already boiling water with an 
inch of water above the last jar. So you can stack these. If you have you know, a big enough stock pot, you can put two or three jars on top of each other. You can process a lot at once. You just always have to make sure that the water level is at least one inch above those jars. And then you boil them for another 15 minutes. And when those are done, you carefully take them out. Well, you put the lid on. <laughs> so make sure that whenever, before you put it in the water, sorry, I'm doing this a little out of order, but before you put them in, I'll, I'll, I'll write the recipe out in, uh, in, for anybody who wants it, just DM me, you know, whatever. I'll, I'll send you the recipe. Or I, ha- I actually have it posted on the Discord. So check out the Discord, the recipes uh, folder, and you will find this recipe there. So you boil it for 15 minutes, take it out, let it sit for 24 hours, and then you're going to be good. You're going to have this stuff that's shelf-stable for a long time, and it's not too sweet. Uh, a lot of people do a ratio of one to one for f- buried uh, sugar content. I think that is just... That's too much. It's way overboard. Yeah. It's unnecessary. At some point, you're kind of like losing the fruit and the sauce. Absolutely. Just, just You're just there for the sugar at that point, which I would much rather get uh, carbohydrates from fructose rather than just straight up, uh, straight up sugar, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so there's uh, other things you can do that. Uh, have we talked about pemmican yet? No, we haven't talked about pemmican. So Michael introduced himself as the pemmican playa. Um, and so pemmican is like a survival food, like a... Like a ancient preservation method, necessarily. Yeah, ancient preservation method. So it's tallow or some sort of uh, fat, dried meat, berries of a sort. This is a, a wonderful alternative and one of the, like... Uh, uh, in, in my opinion, one of the best fruits for it. And so you would mash it up, form into a patty, dehydrate, and it's there to be like probably one of the most nutritionally dense things you can eat. I would imagine. Yeah. That much fat, that much fructose, that much protein. Mm-hmm. Uh, just, yeah, with the dried meat in there, just kind of completing the circle of nutrients that it provides. You get your protein, your sugars, your carbohydrates, yeah. basically everything you need to. Keep hunting, keep, keep gathering. Exactly. Exactly. Okay, so yeah, pemmican is a wonderful thing. It has, a, you know, that's a long, like we said, ancient historical use. Um, settlers did it. They learned it from the first peoples of America here, um, who you know still take part in that practice today. Uh, among that, uh, you can I mean, just the things you can do with this are endless. I'm going to make some fruit leather whenever I yeah, get back from this. Buddy, I'm so excited for this. Uh, it's really, that's, you know, another really simple thing you can do by just, uh, it's kind of a similar process to the jam where you just kind of, um, crush it all up in a pan, you boil it down. I'm going to add some maple sugar instead of sugar this time, or not maple sugar, I'm sorry, maple syrup. I do have maple sugar, which is also sounds delicious. (laughs) Uh, but I'm going to use maple syrup to kind of like thin it out a little bit, get the juices out. And then, yeah, you just kind of hard boil it for 15 minutes and then you transfer it to your dehydration tray, um, so what I like to do is lay down a section of parchment paper and then pour the Juneberry on top of that, dehydrate it at 135 degrees for uh, probably 12 to 24 hours, depending on uh, what kind of dehydrator you're using. If your oven goes that low, that's fine. I have a dehydrator that allows you to set the time and the temperature and everything. Not everybody does. So um, lowest setting on your oven will be great. Alternatively, your car is actually a really good dehydrator. If you leave the doors closed and it's a nice sunny day in the middle of late spring or summer, you know, anytime it's going to be in this warmer weather, your car gets up to around 120 degrees, 130 degrees. So you can actually set your, your uh, berry mush on the dashboard. And not only will that 
if you get it in the sunlight, that'll actually infuse some extra vitamin D into your food, but it also acts as a dehydrator. And then your car's just going to smell nice and fruity. Yeah, don't do that with pemmican, probably. Probably not with the dried <laughs> meat, no. Uh, so fruit leather, wonderful, wonderful thing about that is you are the king of it, as I think I mentioned in the first half. Um, <laughs> and you inspired me this this past season with all of my like foraging outings. Uh, I would find you know pears and apples and, mm. and cranberries, and I actually made uh, pear fruit leather, apple, apple cinnamon, just all sorts of delicious things. Uh, and I didn't sweeten any of it. Maybe a little bit with. Uh, some Yellowstone honey. One of my good friends, Mike. Uh, I got so many Mikes. Yeah, so you got a lot of Mikes in your life. Uh, so Mike from uh, Montana Yellowstone Tours, one of my good buddies, my best man at my wedding, uh, brought me just a ton of honey. Um, maybe not like like not an actual ton, but like a bunch of honey. Um, and yeah, he, I, I used that to sweeten some of it. And then I plan on I was I was gonna talk to you about this, maybe using the rest because it's starting to go to the point where it's crystallizing. Sure. Um, Maybe using it to make a make a mead or something. You need, uh, yeah. I mean, you need a couple of pounds. Yeah, for I, got, mead. I, I have. And crystallizing is fine. That's, I think I have three quarts. Sure, that's what it's supposed to do. I think that yeah, that'd be plenty for mead. Um, also, uh, kind of oh, people are a little intimidated by mead, but it's actually quite a simple process. Um, and I mean, shoot, let's let's collect some June berries and make some Juneberry yes. mead. Let's absolutely because it'll make a fantastic. It makes a fantastic uh, alcoholic ferment. If that's you know who will be really too. excited about that is uh, Emily from Skeleton Key. We've talked before about uh, Juneberries, and I think they have a, a bush. Um, yeah, Skeleton Key Brewery in uh, Woodridge, Illinois. They have like a they have a service berry tree out, uh, on their property near their property. Um, they do sometimes have forged beers. I don't think they've ever done something with Juneberry, but I know that they've done something with, like, pawpaws, and uh, maybe they have done something with Brewberry. I don't know. We'll have to ask her, but um, it's a wonderful thing to brew with uh, because of all these nutrients and just the, the subtle flavors it'll add. It's, it's really fun. I can't wait for the pawpaw episode. Have you ever had a pawpaw? No, but I do have somebody... I, see, they're kind of hard to find up here in Northern Illinois. They this are. is on one of the kind of edges of their uh, populations, um, but that's that's time for another... That's, that's another episode. <laughs> yeah, let's not get into that. Um, but as far as Juneberries are concerned, I think um, it's about all we got. Yeah. Right? So thanks so much for joining us for another episode of the Wild Edible World podcast. Um, you can support us uh, in all sorts of ways. You can follow us, tell your friends about us. We're on Instagram and Facebook now. Share all of our hilarious posts. Yeah, share some of our memes. Check us out on Instagram. We keep the content hot there. That's right. And uh, also, you can join our Discord if you're interested in alternative social medias. Um, we post some recipes. We're trying to be a little bit more active over there because it's a really fun place to build a community. Definitely. So, see you next time on the Wild Edible World podcast. Thanks for listening. We'll see you then. <laughs>